everybody, and welcome to another episode of Middle of the Road, the podcast. This week, we are flashing back as we do now in COVID-19 days, and we are discussing the 2000 release uh, by Sofia Coppola, her feature debut, which is The Virgin Suicides. This film is an adaptation of uh, Jeffrey Eugenie's Eugenie's book. Sofia Coppola wrote and directed it. Uh, It stars Kirsten Dunst, uh, James Woods, Kathleen Turner, or the, get the most lines. Josh uh, Hartnett. Josh Hartnett probably coming in there. And then uh, the rest of the sisters are A.J. Cook. Leslie Heyman, Hannah Hall, and Chelsea Swain, none of which have really gone on to do a whole lot. Um, I think A.J. Cook is probably the one who's done the most. Yeah. She's the one who's on, like, Criminal Minds. Yeah. Jonathan Tucker has also, he was the most recognizable face. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. His, his recognizable baby Anakin face. Skywalker's in this movie. Yeah, I, I think you mentioned it last time when we brought it up, but I was, like, looking yeah. at it, I was like, wait a minute, is that, oh, Yeah. But what's crazy is he's only two or three years from being... He must have had a growth spurt from being Anakin. (laughs) But I picked this movie for us. I I don't think this is my first Sofia Coppola movie. I think that was Lost in Translation. uh, Another masterpiece in my eyes. And I might have even seen Marie Antoinette before I got to see The Virgin Suicides. But I think... Now, The Virgin Suicide stands as my favorite of her movies, and she's one of my favorite filmmakers. It's like that and Lost in Translation, depending which one I watch first. But You've seen The Beguiled, right? Was that one good? Yes. It's, it's, really, it's I good. I liked it. Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a big departure for her. Like, it is and it isn't in that it's about young women and the struggle of being a young woman, but... It's, it's very different than... The, yeah. the setting, it makes it different, and it's got Colin Farrell in it, which is awesome, so... Um, great mm-hmm. cast in that movie too, but uh, including Kirsten Dunst again. Yes, often collaborator. I was gonna say, how many movies has she been in of hers? I think okay. three. She's not in Lost in Translation. She's not in Bling Ring or. Which somewhere. I read Scarlett Johansson actually turned this movie down, and then did Lost in Translation. She wow. did. I don't. I don't think it said mm, according to IMDb trivia. I don't remember it saying what role though. Yeah, interesting. Well, I'm, I I enjoy both of Sofia Coppola's muses. Did we shout out Giovanni Ribisi? Oh, no, we didn't. He's a great narrator mm-hmm. uh, in the film. But um, yeah, this movie, I don't know. I've, I just think it's just like a masterclass in tone and juggling that. And I, I don't know, it just gets richer every time. There's just so much going on in this movie. And it has so many things to say about suburbia, about teen romance being a boy i think it's a really great representation of how some boys feel when they're growing up it's an interesting reflection and like an honest reflection on just like how mysterious teenage girls can be to young teenage boys (laughs) and as someone who is not a religious person and can get kind of um uh upset with things I, i i i think that part of the movie really resonates with me too and just how it's not explicit but it's basically, I think you could argue the movie that religion kills all these girls <laughs> through their mom. Mm, yeah, that's uh, that's not hard to pick out. <laughs> yeah, it's. I remember um, 
Well, it's it's interesting because like the first half of this movie, I was like, what is it trying to say other than just like, if you're a young girl with a, an overbearing religious mother, your life is just fucking terrible. And then it's like, oh, no, that's the whole point of the movie. See, okay, but I never cool. felt like their lives were that terrible. <laughs> I mean, I think once once they were locked in, <laughs> like the fact that one sister, like, yeah, granted, she like scared the bejesus out of the parents by not coming home that night. But then, like, taking the kids out of school, not letting them leave the house. I mean, again, very timely, considering what we're all going through right now. And I was like, <laughs> man, that, that just sounds awful. And See, like you say, you didn't know what the <laughs> movie was saying for the first half. I'm still not 100% sure, or like even 25% sure, what this movie is actually trying to tell me. <laughs> I, I think it is trying to be a lot of things at once. And I think it does everything it tries. I think it's effective. Um, yeah, I mean, I listed off all the things. I mean, like, I think the gossip of suburbia really stuck out the last couple times. Yeah, that's I've that's the, the only moms. thing that I ever focused on was the gossip. Mm-hmm. What another thing? I don't know. It, it was just seems that surprised me when watching this too was because for most of the movie, the only time you get in the house is when you're with someone else. Like you're an outsider's view coming in, whether it's the priest or one of the boys coming over. You, you're, uh, or the party, you're very, very rarely in the house with just the family. It's like the most awkward first date I've seen in film in years. <laughs> like, that was, I was uncomfortable just watching that. Like, good God. Ugh. But it's so well done, too. Just the gl- the foot, the shot of the foot, and then the shot of oh, the mom. Oh, no, I'm talking, and, I mean, uh, that, too. But I was talking yeah. about Josh Hartnett when he's just like, when he's like, yeah, that is, yeah that's the she Josh Hartnett feet on scene. The table. That. Oh yes, no, I was thinking of the other one when you spoke about that. Yes, yeah, yeah. The dinner table one where three <laughs> of the sisters are grinding their feet on <laughs> yeah. the guy. It's so table. weird though, because like Poor the beginning dude. of the movie, I assumed they were like homeschooled or something, because they made it seem like they've never had interactions mm-hmm. with boys before. But they go to a public school, a co-ed public school. So it's like, what is? I don't understand why. I don't know. It's like. I don't know. <laughs> was it a public school? It well, looked I private think, just think, because they, it looked like they had. Yeah, it, I think it is some sort of parochial school. Yeah. yeah, but they they definitely you see the way they interact with other people though when they're at school. Like they just completely shut everybody. There's such a wall that they've been. Whether yeah, it's, and it's like even when th- they that try, they've been trained to put up. I mean, have they been trained? Maybe they just really enjoy their siblings' company. <laughs> That's true. We, we've had some nice weather, haven't we? Like it's just really. <laughs> That's true too, though. Yeah, really, like, they'd have uh, no idea how to talk to another human being. <laughs> yeah, the only the only one is uh, Kirsten Dunst, who's Lux. Lux, who's I thought married. I think a little fine. too too informal. Uh, yeah, but the the, the, the eldest, one, yeah. yeah. No, not the. Oh, wait, eldest, I don't remember the, who was the, the eldest. The tallest one. The the, the eldest was the the shorter. The, there was a blonde woman. They were she all was blonde. The, uh, I, don't, I know. <laughs> no, that's not um, helping Zach. <laughs> There was a there was a sandy darker hair blonde uh, that I'm gonna find her real quick. <laughs> it's either Cecilia or Therese. No, Cecilia is the first one who dies. I know I it's thought not that her. Was Bonnie? Who's Bonnie? No, T- Therese is the one I'm thinking of. I believe Cecilia is. She has such a good look to her. like. She has this like I I don't know like she is this mis- such a mysterious face. Hannah Hall does. I think it works so well for the character in the beginning. But we, we haven't let John talk, and he already told us he has some strong reactions to this movie. But, Ben, you hadn't seen the movie, right? I had and not. Lauren, you thought you might have? No, I have. 
You had seen it. Okay. And it sounds like you're still kind of not too sure about it. Yeah, I'm still kind of like, like, I'd give it a three, I guess, but I don't know why. (laughs) I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of indifferent to it. Yeah. It's got great soundtrack. It's like. Very pretty to look yeah, at, I mean, all especially the, pr- I the guess Criterion it's the Blu-ray. For the most part, that is like, yeah, it was a mm-hmm. decent movie, but like, I don't know what it was telling me other than something about suburban like gossip and like I don't like I don't understand the motivation of the girls, and that's what frustrates me about the movie. Mm-hmm. I like to have that's, that's, movies that tell well, think, me things I think that that's... I understand, and I can see why character like characters do the things they do. Well, I think the I mystery think is of, the whole point yeah. of the movie, though, right? I know, and as yeah. someone who like, doesn't we'll like the why. mystery, that's a problem for me. <laughs> okay, that's fair. <laughs> I'd give it a four out of five. If I can just jump in, go for it. Jump in. And- also, one quick question though: When the the youngest daughter dies, does she get skewered, or does she just like break her back? I think she. Falls I think she on lands a on the spikes. Okay, because yeah, there was no like blood, it. or like she wasn't actually impaled that we could see. So it was just like, what happened? Because yeah. we saw just previously someone else had jumped from like a higher height and didn't die. So I was like, I don't mm-hmm. know what happened. Which also one of that the funniest hilarious. things I've seen in a while. <laughs> like you're just like, oh no, he's gonna break a couple. Bo- oh no, he just walks away. Like <laughs> okay, sorry, John. okay, With this cool walk, undying love. Uh, you know. <laughs> You know, it, the message is sent. <laughs> so sunglasses, they protected him. <laughs> so, John, what do you think? Go, John. Um, I think, first of all, I just... Put into context your texting journey about this movie. The very first message I sent you guys was <laughs> at the very beginning. Like what? when yeah. Cecilia died? Because I think I have a yeah. very strong, visceral, and triggered reaction to... Depicting the act, children or depicting the consequences of the act. I think this movie handles suicide very classily. Yeah, I, I guess I don't about know. As, um, you know, about as classily I, as you can. I don't know. I tell us about Thirteen Reasons Why. Well, I think one of the things, one of the things <laughs> with Thirteen Reasons Why is that knowing that it would be such a controversial thing, I think they tried to prep. And prompt the viewer throughout, or or maybe not throughout. Excuse me, but let them know. And I, I think they got more intentional and more urgent with it uh, after the kind of public outcry. Well, because yeah, now they remove they remove the scene where she actually does it. It's no longer in the show. Yeah, and th- there's still there's still other imagery that is like very hard to watch um, in the in the show but yeah so i just have i think they they made it they really let you know that if you don't think you can handle this imagery like we're some of the things they left in because they thought it was important to the story but they also want to be respectful to people who this may cause uh trauma for or may like ptsd or that kind of thing so yeah uh i I think to a certain degree, like, some of the imagery is, like you said, Zach, very well handled, and it's it's very muted, and it's not super explicit, but it's still imagery that I really struggle with seeing. So that's the first mm-hmm. thing. The second thing is, I think it was interesting that I watched this movie after recently watched Dazed and Confused, because... The entire time I was watching Dazed and Confused, I was like very 
confused. <laughs> but were you dazed? I was not dazed. I do not partake in the marijuana. I, I was just confused because there, there didn't seem like there was any obvious conflict or tension, and it didn't really seem like... Just Ben Affleck being a dick. That's about it in that movie. There was, yeah, there was like a... a noticeable plot it was just it was just a depiction of the last day of school for teenagers of various ages but by the end of that i think my appreciation for the movie rose because i was like oh that's what this was supposed to be it was just supposed to be in an honest and genuine kind of depiction of teenagers at this time and i think as i was watching the virgin suicides i started to see it within that context and that perspective of hey we just want to show Another depiction of young life in the mid-70s. And like you said, Zach, the soundtrack was incredible. I, I'm recognizing now that all of the soft rock radio that uh, was pretty much the only thing we listened in my household for like my first 10 to 12 years of growing up um, was 70s adult contemporary hits, um, which <laughs> I have no qualms with whatsoever still. Um, I a lot of these songs came on. I was just like, "Oh, this takes me back," even though I wasn't alive during this time. Um, takes me back to Guardians of the Galaxy. And so, um, <laughs> y'all, so high school life. But I think I agree a lot more with Lauren. Like, I'm kind of in between the both of you. Like, I I appreciate how well it's made and how well it's shot, but I think the lack of explicitness from this movie in terms of the motivations of the sisters, I think it's, I think worked as a detriment to it, not as encouraging this kind of mystery model that puts you on the outsider's perspective in the same perspective of the boys. Now I love the stuff with the boys in terms of sort of, we didn't see a lot of them, but sort of their friendship and sort of, the way they idolized or fantasized about these girls, not necessarily in a weird or creepy, well, maybe in a creepy way, but not in like an ex- a sexually es- explicit way, but in a way. I want to know like, how they got some of the stuff they had. Yeah, but like in a com- camaraderie or just like they were so attracted to them and they sort of they want to be companions to them. I thought that was they had a shared fascination. Yeah, I thought that was really good, but and. The, there are parts of that that are, I think, few and far between. The thing that I think struck the most notice to me is how there wasn't a whole lot of exposition in this movie, which, again, Coppola's making the, I imagine, intentional move to put you in the outsider's perspective. But it just... it the lack of dialogue between or the lack of just, I don't know, seeing characters really interact with each other, it I don't know if it's an intention. I guess it is intentional, but it just, it didn't work for me. I don't know. It, it seemed incomplete. If anything, this movie made me feel like the book that it was based off was probably, excuse me, probably <laughs> going to be more meaningful for me because you would probably get a more direct look into the boys' psyche and the boys' fascinations and imagination. And so... Yeah, see, I felt like I understood the boys more than the girls, and that frustrated me. Well, and I I think that's the point of it. I get that. For sure, but But, it's still frustrating. But you also don't really know the boys... Like, you get the... You see the boys few and far between. Like, regardless of that, you still... The movie is centered around the girls. And so... 
Yeah, I don't know. I that... kind of wonder why we still got, or also just with Josh Hartnett's character, it's like, why did we get to see him in the as a grown-up, but no one else? Well, obviously, we couldn't see the girls as grown-ups, but... <laughs> I think, um, also, is it unclear whether or not the girls killed themselves or Lux killed them? No, they all killed themselves. Oh, they killed they themselves. Killed them. Be- yeah. Because I, again, with what you were saying... Lauren, it seemed like, aside from Lux, who obviously was rebelling and acting out and really frustrated with the ways in which her mother's overprotectedness um, was affecting their lives, the other girls seemed fine, like, talking with each other and hanging out with each other and that kind of thing. And you sort of got shots of them feeling or looking maybe despondent, but there was no clear indication that they were as affected as... Lux and so and this well there was also no clear indication that Cecilia was gonna jump out the window a second time well I mean the first attempt is kind of an indication no yeah I I think (laughs) but I think even with watching watching the ways the actress who played Cecilia acted you you could tell that she was the only sad looking one yeah not to say only I don't know. It's a weird thing to dance around talking about people who commit suicide and intentions and motivations and everything. I don't know. Everything about the last act of the movie made me feel very, it felt very foreboding just, and in the way that like Lux met them and everything, like I, I don't know. Yeah. Which made me, I mean, I know that the movie says that it was a suicide and that kind of thing, but it, it just seems suspect to me. No, I thought it was pretty clear that they all killed themselves, but again, just don't know why. <laughs> I think the visual the visual of the feet hanging is kind of, that's the only indicator I needed. Yeah, especially, like, yeah. none of those deaths are exactly quick deaths, so, like, it would have taken her, one, a long time to set them all up, but I'm pretty sure we saw them upstairs, all of them alive. And I just don't think, I, I can't imagine, like, Kristen Dunst being able to lift someone to be hung or slowly <laughs> kill them in an oven or like it's just definitely I definitely felt that everyone killed themselves for reasons also they one thing oppressed. I read the one cool thing I read in the trivia was that I guess that photo they took in the beginning where Kristen or Kirsten Stewart or Kirsten Stewart Kirsten Dunst is like looking at a drip from the ceiling or whatever i guess that foreshadows all mm-hmm. the ways everyone dies so it's like that's cool knowing but other than that way <laughs> brutal yeah and then the next movie you just go from this movie and jump right into midsummer <laughs> the they had dresses they'd fit right in yep um yeah just like uh this is like a double feature exactly. of you know pure unadulterated joy just need a maple some crowns but that that's the weird thing. I find this movie like a fun, joyful <laughs> movie for most of its runtime. Mm, I'm gonna disagree with you on that one. I mean, buddy. Fr- from be- from the from the between after Cecilia kills herself till the end, I don't know. Like the movie is just so rewatchable to me, and so easy, and so well, like rewatchable. I, it, but I, I don't think it's like. I mean, I'm pretty bummed through most of it. It was Josh Hartnett's hair that did it. That bummed me out. <laughs> well, even when he was starting to get to know Kirsten Stewart, I was kind of like, this Dunst. movie's about suicide. Look what I've I done. know this isn't going to end well. Oh, Kirsten Dunst. God damn it, Sorry. Lauren. <laughs> I, I wonder like, if it's one of those things that, you know, I've seen this movie probably, you know, six, seven, eight times probably now. 
And I, I don't know if it's like the first time I watched Boogie Nights, you know, it's like, holy fuck. But now when I watch Boogie Nights, it's like one of the funniest movies on the face of the earth. Once you get past the initial shock. Yeah. And you can appreciate everything else that's going on inside it. It's probably becomes easier to watch. You said this movie has a narrator. Yeah. Giovanni Ribisi. I don't remember this at all. <laughs> he talks over the whole movie. <laughs> I, not, I legitimately blocked it out. But I guess I mean that's kind of a nice little detail, though. Has has the most lines of any character in the movie. <laughs> I'm sorry, this movie was boring to me. So, but like, I don't know. It's a nice point because it's like I'm trying to, I'm trying to get like understand why the girls did what they did. But I guess if you have a male narrator, we're coming from a different per- like that's supposed to yes. like yes. drill it in that we're coming from an outside perspective and we're yeah. not supposed to understand why they did what they did. What I also like is how it never clarifies which boy he is. Just that he was one of them. One of the boys. I thought that was kind of cool. I was waiting for like a flash forward and we'd see all of them and he'd be one of them. But no. Also, even though I knew like, you know, virgin suicide. So I figured, you know. Plural. I I figured Kirsten or yeah, Kirsten Dunst was going to kill herself. Well, she wasn't a virgin though. Exactly. And then I'm like, (laughs) oh shit. Or, Or like. A couple of them, which means gonna kill she themselves? was actually killed by someone else because it turned into a horror. And then, film. We know those rules. <laughs> and then, like, once the boys show up and it's just her, I'm like, oh my god, they've all killed themselves, and she's gonna go kill herself. And then there's like that one, and I'm like, no, who knows? Maybe, maybe everything's okay. Maybe I'm just freaking out. <laughs> and then there's the shot of everybody in the car, and I'm like, oh, they're all dead. Yeah, this is <laughs> fucked. <laughs> It's like the moment of happiness where I was, uh, was the moment where I was just like, yeah, that's bullshit. I know what's happening here. Uh, I love all the little montages he slides into the movie, which are all, you know, the male perspective, like their, their perspective on like the travel log. Yeah, I love the travel log. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, That was probably a fun day shooting all that, just changing the background and (laughs) being silly. But yeah, I don't know. Um, I I, I think you guys, I'd love to know what you guys all thought about if you ever watched it a second time to see how it played because like lauren like lauren missed the narrative (laughs) (laughs) missed the whole perspective but i don't think that's actually like even a knock i think it's just feels so much a part of the movie it just that the narration just glides the movie along for you like it just uh, it's really really well done it's not it's terribly surprising to me that it's because it's not john mentioned we talked over him a little bit but john mentioned like it being similar to the narrator in Fight Club. But I think where this differs though, it's not it's not exposition to the story. It's like exposition to the mystery and the allure of these people. You know, like just trying to understand these girls, the Lisbon sisters the whole time. And it, it goes right along with what you're trying to figure out what's going on with these girls too. I think in in that sense I that being the attention intention of this movie and that recognizing that there's going to be some lack of what's the word I'm looking for? No idea. Satisfaction <laughs> or gratification or consummation of that, of knowing what's going on or what the exact motivation is. I like, that's great. And I think, I mean, that's, that's the premise behind 13 reasons why, right? Like when you open in the first episode, there's there's a complicated uh, tension between like the shots that show Hannah being like a, a happy, like typical 
human teenager or whatever than the shots that show obviously otherwise and so the question that shapes the narrative and the the tension and the conflict is how do we get from that point to this point um and i think that's great but there's there was no progression to really see that in the characters aside from Lux. It was clear Lux was struggling and you could see through the boy's voyeurism, which was extremely creepy, sort of what she was going through. The other sisters, yeah, that wasn't done as well. Dad, I just remembered with you saying the boys were creepy. It's like the guy... The first boy that goes in for dinner, he smells her lipstick, and I, that just bothers me so much. It's like, why of all the things? You sprayed her perfume and didn't smell that, but you smell her he lipstick? Wasn't one, he wasn't one of the four, though, right? No, he was just yeah. a random kid from school. Um, I was a little more worried about the, uh, who was it, the knife sharpener or whatever, the guy who just stood outside in front of the lawn and just watched uh, <laughs> Oh yeah, Lux in her bait in like a... Bikini or whatever. So yeah, and I'm like, isn't she like 14 in this movie? Jesus Christ! That's what they say. But they, I looked it up because I was really uncomfortable with that. Like I paused it. I think, I think Kirsten Dunst was actually 17. I was like, that's still. She was yeah. 17 in real life. Four, 14 yeah. in the movie. I, yeah, um, same year. The same year she did. No, I guess they might have been shot different years, but they come out the same year as Bring It On. We should do bring it, it on next. Wasn't Jumanji? Isn't that in like the, the year before? Yeah, yeah, I picked that? it. I picked okay, it. Good. I forget that Kristen Dunst was such a like Kirsten. a Kirsten, excuse me, such a superstar <laughs> when she was just that young actress. Where oh yeah, <laughs> um, in term she did. So you started was her first movie, the vampire movie, right? The uh, yeah, interview with so. the vampire, I think. What? And then we did That's, her. That was her first movie. I think so. <laughs> okay and then she did jumanji <laughs> and she did uh what's jumanji the movie the we did last year uh, Dro- drop dead gorgeous she was spider-man the vampire is actually pretty far up it's her me. fifth movie really shoot but still her first movie was a woody allen movie gross new york <laughs> stories she did oh she voiced kiki and kiki's delivery service that's cool oh nice we didn't talk about the parents very much, who I think, um, I think last oh. <laughs> week. I... See, I wanted to have more time with the dad, like when he just kind of has his psychological break where he's talking to the plants. Yeah, I think James Wood, like I said, I think I said it on the podcast last week, is a garbage human being and a garbage fire of uh, person, cult of personality on the internet now. But he is like really, truly fantastic in this movie. Yeah, I <laughs> love just him always trying to. Just like impress the like boys from his um, mm-hmm. the high school, not in a creepy way, just to know yeah. need to connect and like mm-hmm. impress them with his nerdy it's like. It's because he never had a son, you know. He wanted to. Uh, it's probably like that longing to have that, mm-hmm. you know. I also that, yeah. This is my. This is my. Let's not get into. Uh, I don't know what am I trying to say. Um, Oh my god, gender I'm so norms. Good. Yes, gender norms. Thank you. It's also <laughs> interesting the word that for gender. <laughs> I was the only one who thought about this, but he essentially was teaching them like college algebra in <laughs> in in high school. And not like oh like We had a higher bar for kids back in the day, John. Come on. Like he was teaching um, them like essentially linear algebra. And like the part of linear algebra when I went from, oh, this is all just matrices and just like fun problem solving to wait, I can define the universe this way? What? Um <laughs> nerd. 
No, not nerd. I'm clearly not a nerd if I did not understand the latter you half teach, of that class. Don't you teach chemistry? Yeah, but like, I don't know. Nerd. <laughs> uh, he's he's just so... And, and he There's so much going on with him under the surface. Like, the fact that you could, like... Not that you need to assign blame at the end of this movie, but, like, on the first pass, it seems like, oh, it's all the mom's fault. But then he never, like gets in the you way guys are putting and can... way too much weight on the mom i don't get it well, yeah, I... it's not it's not that it's not that she's she's horrible. the only one to blame it's it's the <laughs> fact that he never it's like he never goes well, either I... way the only yeah, time he... he ever makes a decision about anything is when he's like maybe we could let them go to the dance and that's the only thing the only decision like, I don't, I don't feel like the mom's that bad at all. Like, oh my god, she sets some rules that a lot of strict parents do, and the only bad thing she actually does is try to poison them by burning records in the house. <laughs> well, I think I taking think them out of them school house, and removing yeah. them from all social activity well, yeah, is but an still, extremist like, position. Yeah, that's for sure bad, but it's like, for the most part, I didn't think she was that bad throughout she's, the movie. She's not like, it's, it's like, like she, she's not she like does a that villain? party and is trying to have, like, have her kids have a good time. That's true. She seemed like she was trying to be a good mother sometimes yeah. it doesn't always work <laughs> she's not a villain but she's just she's just overbearing and and unfortunately has a negative impact on her kids despite loving them so much it's it's the um, it's the lack of her children can't be normal i guess is the problem like but they never she, seemed she, abnormal it's like you guys are just reading into all this stuff it's like i don't see it no no but i'm saying her mom the mom would was upset by them being a normal having normal their normal teenage desires wants and urges were considered not okay in the mom's eyes i don't i disagree i don't i don't think it was considered not okay i think it i mean it could be worse she could have been carrie's mom i think it (laughs) opened up the yeah but that's an extremely low bar (laughs) i know but i feel like you guys are saying she's as bad as her it's not that case i think it opened up a worry in her in terms of getting them into a situation that she couldn't control. And because of that, if she can't control it, then she doesn't know what the outcome is. And because of that, there's a chance that her daughters might kill themselves. I also just love the fact that yes. she didn't want her like her kids to be in a car, but she was fine with eight people being in one car. <laughs> I mean, her, her choices were never made out of like to punish her kids. They were all made out of like, she wanted to protect them and keep them safe, but unfortunately, she tried so hard that it ended up driving them away and driving them to, you know. But see, take like their again, I just don't feel like we get to see that in the daughters enough to be like it, they don't seem affected at all to me. Yeah. So it's like we only ever see them smiling for the most part. So it's and like it's just like one of those things where it's like I need I need something to latch on to to be like okay, this is what did it. <laughs> The narrator that you toned out definitely talks about it, though. Um, not to disagree with Lauren, they don't show yeah. it in the girls yeah. very much. But, but Kirsten outside Dunst also Lux's starts rebellion. sleeping with dudes, like on the roof. <laughs> like that's yeah, but that's not like an indication of suicide. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, an oh, indication no, she that has something, hormones. something's going on. Yeah, which the mother did not accept hormones. She does not express science in the biology <laughs> of her children. I think also additionally. I think this this movie does a poor job, I think, in critiquing fundamentalism because I don't think it explores or shows what that fundamentalism 
is, it just shows the effect. Maybe maybe that's the point, but the one type of religious kind of interaction we have is when, the like you guys were saying, the priest comes over and has no idea what to say, and so just kind of leaves. If we had a more direct or more explicit, excuse me, explicit depiction of like the sermon that they mentioned, or maybe the mother talking about her religious influence or that kind of thing, it it would have felt more prominent. It seemed like every point that this movie showed just essentially kind of showed the parents at like the crucial moments or like the moments where it quote unquote matters. And it just, it, it wasn't deep enough for me. It felt very shallow or superficial, which again, I agree, John, (laughs) we're, which again, we're in the point of view of outsiders. So we're not supposed to know. And I think Lauren, you said like, if anything, maybe this is just trying to make a comment on the judgmental and voyeuristic and gossip nature of like suburban life back then. I fully admit I'm being a gossipy neighbor when I blame the mom for as the primary. Well, see, that's reason the other thing. This. When I was trying to like latch on to something and reasons for what happened, it's like the only thing I could think of because I didn't think they were that sad, quote unquote. Again, I don't can't talk to motivation about people looking sad and whatnot but um it's like the only thing i could think of is the reason for why they do what they do is to become the gossip that people spread and like that was the only thing i thought that might have been the reasoning for this because like they were like when we see them with other kids it's like all they do in the car is suddenly they're just being bitches to their neighbors (laughs) yeah i think that's really interesting that they are just they 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 have they have lots of judgments to pass along to other people as mm-hmm. well. It's it just it's real interesting because the thing that is holding you, John and Lauren, back from enjoying or embracing the movie a little bit more is like the exact thing that I love about it, and that it, it is it is completely there isn't an explicit reason for anything, but Coppola does just an amazing job of just like kind of swirling the possibilities and giving you insights to and vibes to kind of interpret whatever way you want to and that's exactly what the 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 narrator's doing too he he doesn't know he's this just throwing things out there narrator yeah. that you guys are totally making up <laughs> <laughs> can't believe you're deleting giovanni rubisi from our lives we kathleen turner even though i think like she's she is like i she's she's amazing in the movie in her controlled hysteria that she kind of has going on in the back half of the movie especially and she has a really great evolution over the movie too because you know you do forget the open like that party is a nice gesture and she's trying to do things her way but then at the same time that was like a suggestion by the psychiatrist right by dean yeah, but she was willing to take suggestions and that's great she, yeah weirdest but then from there on weirdest cameo weird. ever by the way <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh but then that is kind of like the tipping point like that's the first tip towards i shouldn't be listening to anybody what anybody else has to what say were the kind of three thing. things that she saw that made him think she needed boys in her life is banana uh something <laughs> afro. like afro i don't remember yeah. what the second one was well i think it was just more she's a 13 she's a teenager going through puberty well yeah but it was just <laughs> i was trying to think back it's like was she doing like like i guess a banana is like a phallic thing so boys <laughs> <laughs> like, but afro yeah not a lot of black people in this movie um no. yeah i don't know i still love this movie and ben what's your sofia coppola background the beguiled in this Benjamin. 
sorry, my mic was muted for a second there. Uh, <laughs> uh, the beguiled and uh, the and this. That's this, it. Yeah. Okay. I'm pretty sure. So, Let me just double check on her real quick. You should. You should. The fact that you gave this four stars, you should check out our other movies. Um, I still want to see Bling Ring. Bling Ring's great. Same. It's fun. It's it's Probably definitely watch like Lost in Translation. Yes, Lost in Translation is so good. Um, it'd be I'd just be really intrigued by your opinions on this, John. Have you seen any of her other Ooh, movies? Oh, her next movie has has Bill Murray and Rashida Jones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, I'm intrigued by it, but it also seems like the Lost in Translation 2.0. But we'll see. Should also see Mary and Marie Marie Antoinette. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen any Coplas. Like I don't think I've seen a single thing by her dad either. Never seen The Wait, Godfather. No. no. Wait, I think we had this discussion before. It is super overrated, but oh, yeah. for sure. No, it's oh probably worth watching, John. <laughs> you guys are horrible. Oh, somewhere I remember being intrigued to watching somewhere. That is definitely her most challenging movie, in that it's like the most res- like. It's like the most removed. I'm trying to avoid the word boring. I don't think the movie's boring, <laughs> but it is the movie that you would most easily become bored with, I would imagine, in her filmography. But I like that. I've that movie I've grown to love more and more well, each time well, I've seen Fanning it. Well, Fanning is in it. Yeah, she's great. That's why I saw it. Um, I'm up to four, four stars on that movie. I think I also would be interested in seeing Marie Antoinette because I think I remember seeing at least. Uh, trailers for that and how it was like oh it's this historical film but it's like and converses <laughs> yeah it, it, oh is that what like no they're just in one shop in the movie. okay gotcha <laughs> like but it's like a updated type of uh humor it I has modern say. filmmaking sensibilities applied to the period setting which is kind of my favorite one of my favorite sub genres of the last 15 years is people when they take a they get rid of the stuffiness of the period drama that, and I feel like she could kind of be credited with that. This well, and when did that Pride and Prejudice movie come out? Or, or like even what about six. Romeo and Juliet? Because Romeo and Juliet, I think, also contributed to that in the sense that it took that type of dialogue but then put it in yeah. a modern setting. Yeah, I think yeah, that's a good starting. Like point. Romeo and Juliet still feels kind of like a period piece, but it is also set in a contemporary setting, though. Yeah, it, it's contemporary setting with guns with yeah with no, that is contemporary. <laughs> contemporary setting with traditional language where period language where marie antoinette is more the, i mean the i don't know if you opposite. can call shakespeare period language i don't think anyone actually spoke like that that's true yeah okay anybody got anything else on the virgin suicide mm, don't think so i would st- i mean i would still recommend seeing it but also please be aware if you are Oh my gosh! Deeply if you're about affected. to give a trigger warning. Yeah, I'm gonna be very upset. <laughs> no, but seriously, I like I was, I was. I mean, I would just say trigger warning in the sense that it's like, like Ben says that he saw it coming the whole time because it's the title. But like, I was watching this. I've even seen the movie, and I was like, is there just one suicide in this movie? Because everything <laughs> seemed happy enough that I wasn't expecting that ending. Mm-hmm. So it's like the abruptness of it could yeah, it does be come out of a trigger warning. Well, I think that's kind of what made it so effective, even though mm-hmm. I knew it was coming. Just like the boys had no idea what was going to happen, you know? Yeah. Next week, we are going to be reviewing the Casey Affleck directed. No. <laughs> I'm still here. This film is notorious for quite a number of reasons at this point, but this was Joaquin Phoenix wants to become a rapper 
and Casey Affleck followed him around for a year plus chronicling this turn in his career that was not may or actually, may not have been <laughs> no i th- i think th- it is not real it was cl- i mean they're on the record that it was regardless just a... this is the movie that made me hate joaquin phoenix <laughs> wait did i am you not see it, here Lord? for this prank yeah oh i don't know ben have you seen it nope i have not seen it i gave it two oh, out wait. of ten stars on imdb <laughs> <laughs> lodi so do you, why did you pick it john if you haven't seen it because I just remember, I think I think I remember seeing live that initial interview with David Letterman, and mm-hmm. just being so blown away. And then going, and then several years later, or a year, whatever, seeing his interview with David Letterman afterwards, mm-hmm. and being like, "Oh, do you know what? I think I can get, I can get behind you. I can get behind this." And also, when you watch like interviews with Joaquin Phoenix, or when you see him talk or that kind of thing there there gets to be a greater sense that he has either gotten or leaned into or possibly suffers from a lot of actual like social anxiety and awkwardness and so um i don't know but then the fact that he can be such a so, so dedicated to his craft and dedicated to his work and innovative i think is just and that's not to say he's not the only one to do this like i mean we mentioned uh during that one uh cursed episode uh crispin glover (laughs) and all the stuff that he has done um but yeah it just watching those videos gave me a newfound appreciation for walking phoenix i just never had the chance or never had the like uh very intentional desire to go back and watch this film after the fact but now i have an opportunity to do so so that we're gonna watch that uh i think watching the movie in hindsight and knowing that it was a performance art piece and it's not an actual breakdown does the movie favor in that if it's if you're watching it just as an artifact of an incredible piece of acting by joaquin phoenix it can be better appreciated uh for the record i gave it four out of five so eight out of ten on lauren's scale that she used today but um that was quick maths with Zach. <laughs> I'm still here. Is our next movie, and until then, I might I'm not Zach. be next week. <laughs> yeah, see, I, 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 good I, one, Lauren. <laughs> I didn't say that, but if you if, if you want to bow out, Lauren, you can do it. It's no one's going to be mad. <laughs> I don't know. It's not like I have anything better to do. These okay, days. <laughs> fair enough. You can come on and trash another one of John's picks. Yeah, just do everyone's favorite thing and just talk about why Casey Affleck's a bad person. Uh, I'm Zach Oldenburg. You can find us wherever you can find... Oh, wait, no. You can find me wherever you can find at <laughs> Zach Oldenburg. You, you can find us at middleofrow.com. You can also rate and review the podcast. Apparently it helped. I'm Ben Grigsby. You can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at the Grigsby Bear. You can find all of us on Facebook at I'm Jonathan Rahul. You can follow me on Twitter at another Rahul J. You can also follow us on Twitter at Middle of the And I'm Lauren Heimbaugh. You can find me on Twitter at Beware of Trees, and you can find us on Tumblr at middleofroad.tumblr.com. Thanks for listening. Go watch I'm Still Here. And remember, the best seats are in the middle of the row. Love is all my soul. Oh, my playground love